Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I'm uh, I'm cold, actually. I think I'm pretty sure I complain about this every year. So apologies, longtime listeners. But when it gets cold here, in cold being, you know, the, the, the low teens Celsius, uh, which is, I don't know, 50s or 60s or something like that, sounds, sounds totally fine and reasonable, right? The problem is uh-huh. there's no heat or insulation, which means like the, ex- the outside temperature, inside temperature is kind of the same. So you get this weird sort of feeling where you go outside, like, or you go outside, you're like, eh, it's not that cold out here. And then you go inside, you're like, Wait, it's really it's really, I'm really cold. Uh, so anyway, I'm kind of cold. But other than, other than that, I'm doing I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. It's also starting to cool down here in San Francisco, and I'm about to make my annual pilgrimage back to Australia. So I can hardly fault you for not enjoying 50s and 60s because I'm about to escape for similar reasons. Yeah, I know. No one, no one, particularly you know in, in Wisconsin where I'm from, wants to wants to hear about our our weather. Problems, <laughs> that's for sure. uh, so next week we are we are going to try to record but given your travel we we might not so just a heads up uh that if if, if the next one does not show up next week it's james's fault yep. just want, want, want to get that out there sooner rather than later. hate mail comes to me our thanks to wordpress.com for sponsoring exponents whether you want to build a personal blog a business site or both Creating your website on WordPress.com helps others find you, remember you, and connect with you. You don't need experience. They guide you through the process from start to finish to take care of the technical side to get your site up and running. Their customer support team is made up of WordPress experts eager to help you to get the most from your site, and they are available 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and on weekends. Plans start at just $4 a month, and they include a custom domain name for the life of the plan. So go to WordPress.com slash exponent. Uh, remember that slash exponent so they will know you come from us and you will get a 15% off your website today. That's WordPress.com slash exponent. Our thanks to them for sponsoring Exponent as they do every week. Absolutely. Very good. So I, by the way, I did get a new computer. I know I mentioned it uh, a, a few a few weeks ago, uh-huh. but I, we, uh, we will see if we have time at the end and I will tell you what it is. Uh, and so that will be, that will be a lure to, 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 stick, to stick to the end. That's right. Everybody's <laughs> going to be wondering whether there are touch bars inside or not. Yeah, there's like there's like ten percent of the people that actually care. Uh, maybe may, that may be overestimating it. Uh, speaking of sticking to the end, uh, I last week uh, I kept saying ex parte instead of ex post. I've I've no idea. I was I was tired and frazzled, and I have no idea. But I was I meant to talk about ex post regulation, which is after the fact regulation last week, not ex parte, which does not mean that. Uh, my is just a stupid mistake that that clouded and already sort of convoluted, complicated issue. So I apologize for that mistake. Um, and and you actually started copying me saying ex parte, but then you switched ex post. So you were actually right most of the time. And peop- I think a lot of people think you were right all the time. But uh, anyhow, I just wanted to, to acknowledge that because that, that was a pretty bad, bad error. I was I was so deep in the in the content of the conversation that like uh, my Latin, which I did do in high school, failed to kick in. So uh, yeah, no, it was. It, was, it was my bad. And and I speak as listen to the end. Even if you didn't listen to the whole episode, I I, I hope people do listen to the end. I, I think there's a thing that we talked about about the sort of the how the rise of of broadband has been associated with the rise of the internet and the need for driving and investing, you know, more more investment in because the, the part that really I'm still a little hung up on is the paid prioritization part. And lots of people I know disagree with me. And that's fine. Like I, I think a, a frustration I had with this entire debate when it came in was there was no one articulating the other side. It was like, oh, this is just – and to me, that's always a sort of problematic situation. And mm. and again, I, I might be wrong. And I, I've tried to be clear about that all along. And 
and that's the one part that really you know, a lot of people wrote responses to me, uh, you know, taking me to task, particularly for saying ISPs have behaved badly, will behave badly, and that I don't necessarily deny any of that. I think that's a very fair pushback. I, I wish to have seen more responses on the sort of investment angle. Like I know investment has not slowed down in the last year or so or whatever and that's a that is a point in the favor of this isn't going to be a big deal but i guess the 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 part that oh you know go back listen to that in the podcast about about why i i worry about sort of long-term growth in the future just because i'm so worried about our economic system in general sort of like collapsing in the face of the internet you know it's been a theme of of exponent all along and that's sort of the the one point that i feel i didn't emphasize enough and anyhow the last 10 minutes 15 minutes last week we talked about it I, uh, so we don't need to re, re rehash it, but I do appreciate all the thoughtful responses, uh, and, and all sorts of things. And you know what? I'm thinking about this and we'll continue to think about it. And I, I hope to an extent, I hope I, I, I hope I helped all of you think <laughs> if, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, that's a, uh, that's a nice way of, uh, of moving on. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my utmost to bite my tongue so we don't relitigate yeah. this. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. There was one. There's one additional point we didn't talk about last week, and that I kind of mentioned in in, in passing uh, in, in the original article, which is, you know, I, I do believe in neutrality without question, like, and, and you know that content should be treated, you know, it shouldn't be blocked or, or along those sorts of things. And I mentioned at the end, like the 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 concern, the concern set, as it were, should not just be ISPs. But there's also this issue with mm. with the online services, and there was actually an example this week uh, where you know YouTube and Amazon are in the spat, for example, right? And now you can't get YouTube on Amazon devices, and it just it's just sort of a a reminder of you know this is certainly a topic we've talked about again and again and again mm. that this this if, if you're worried about gatekeepers, if you're worried about people controlling what people see and acting sort of unilaterally. To, to do that sort of stuff like the the concern set is much larger than 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 ISPs it, 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 like it it contains these companies yeah. that that we talk about all the time totally i mean i think people get uh people get pretty defensive about the topic when it comes to base level infrastructure providers but as we keep moving further up the stack like the the opportunities for this to happen continue to improve and it's it's almost it's interesting. I, I almost think about it in terms of uh, aggregation theory, in terms of how people respond a little bit to it. Uh, they feel forced to be using these old school, old world providers because there's only one cable running into their home. And the idea that that, that uh, they're reaching in and tinkering as to what people see, that people find super offensive. But there are plenty of other opportunities further up the stack, places like Facebook, places like Amazon. But it's somewhat different because people that then, uh, I mean, not that there are lots of choices, but they are willingly giving, uh, they're willingly being users of these products and services because the experience is so great. And somehow that that buys these companies a little bit more leeway to get away with it. But it doesn't change the fact of what you just said. Like the opportunity for this kind of thing to happen is immense. And in fact, it was one of our early episodes where we talked about how Amazon got in a spat with a book publisher and just deprioritized the results of all the books that that publisher had. And I was like, wow, this could really be a thing further down the road, couldn't it? Well, what's funny is we actually argued in the opposite direction uh, quite a while ago where you were very concerned about Facebook and I was very concerned about sort of the 
infrastructure level. And my point was always, mm. you know, it's at the ISP level that the biggest concern is because you, there's always sort of the, <laughs> the open internet. So, I mean, uh, it's funny that we've argued both sides, but I, uh-huh. I, I, I think that should be credit to us. I mean, not that just because we <laughs> I've thought so much about this and, and deeply about this. And yes, maybe there's there's mistakes that have been made or, or errors or whatever. But I, I think you know, we, if you listen to every episode of this podcast, you know we've wrestled on all sides of this mm-hmm. issue, and we we've kind of flipped around and gone back and forth. And I mm-hmm. think that's one a good thing, and two a reflection that it's not this isn't a pat and dry sort of you know situation. Like there there's so many moving parts and complexities here, and I appreciate your sort of invoking the aggregation theory point because I think that really gets at this. Like there's an argument where to rely on sort of economic factors and incentives you remember i i i put that on facebook like facebook like there's they have an economic reason to not discriminate or do these mm. sorts of things mm-hmm. and and you've come back with the argument like well once facebook is so successful and so rich that the the motivations and incentives start to become uncoupled from the economic ones. And you know, if you apply that to this situation, the economic incentives are still very powerful for these sort of old school companies. You know, yes, they may have limited competition in in wired broadband, but they're still very much bound by the sort of limits of like economic reality and and, and what they do and what they don't do in a way that companies like Google and Amazon and Facebook not only theoretically are not but as we're seeing in practice are not. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely reasonable point. It's it's insane to see these companies go at each other like this in outright warfare, uh, effectively damaging their economic interests, at least very much in the short term, if not in the long run as well. That's exactly right. I mean, it's, Amazon, I think, has been an instigator in a lot of this, and, and they their entire pitch from the beginning is the everything store, right? You go there, they want to be your one-stop shop for everything you want to buy, and they are willing to say, you know, these sort of like highly popular, well-known products are not going to be available on Amazon, that you will have to go somewhere to buy it, and they've decided that that sort of short-term damage, and they claim they're all about the consumer, all about the consumer, well, what if the consumer wants to buy an Apple TV? What if the consumer wants to buy a Chromecast? Well, then they're mm-hmm. actually not about the consumer. They're about Amazon gaining leverage for their other services so so they can get them on their products on their terms. Just for folks who haven't been following along the recent news, maybe we should explain what Amazon have decided to do. So Amazon launched the Echo Show which was uh, an Echo with a screen, and it had built-in YouTube support, and it was like a fully native app. You had all voice controls, and it worked. It worked. It worked. Worked pretty well. Uh, Google came back and said, "No, nope, can't do that. Doesn't abide by our usage terms. It, it you know, maybe didn't include various playback controls that Google mandated, or maybe didn't have ads. I, it was never clear exactly what the violation was, but they pulled support for it. So then, a new version of the YouTube app." Then came out a couple of weeks ago, which was basically a web view, and like you know, I, I no, like I'm not for sure, but it, it, if you used it, it was like this is basically using a web page. And needless to say, <laughs> on that sort of device, it was a usability disaster. But at least mm. there was YouTube content on there. And now uh, YouTube, it, Google has said, nope, we're pulling support for that too, and also we're pulling YouTube off of all of the Fire TV devices, like that that plug into your TV. And they and oh, because also Amazon somewhere along the line. A couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago, they stopped selling Nest devices on on Amazon, and they've long since not been selling Chromecast devices. And so Google's like, they're not selling our devices. We're going to cut off the thing here. I wish we could come to agreement, blah, blah, blah. Basically, both sides are 
going against their short-term economic interests. It's in Amazon's interest to sell everything. It's in Google's interest to have YouTube content as widely available as possible to, you know, because massive fixed costs on the back end, you know, they want to be the dominant sort of provider of this video. But both are willing to work against that to gain leverage in their various disputes. So, I mean, it, it's it, it, it's it's quite straightforward. They are valuing their long-term strategic interests over their short-term economic interests. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But uh, war, at least in the short run, isn't good for anybody, or at least not good for the parties that are involved in it. And you can see exactly like having your having your stuff not for sale on Amazon is probably not ideal. Google probably uh, feeling a little less the pain of not having YouTube being shown on that Amazon device, at least for now. But even still, this is a this is a real spat. It what well, it is, and you go back to I mean, there how many like realistically, how many places are there to put video on the internet? If you actually want to be able to handle any sort of volume or any sort of thing, it's it's still very very expensive. It's 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 still a technical challenge, much more so than like text on the internet. And and I think video has always been a little bit more of a concern for that reason. Like there are still significant challenges to to the sort of distribution that YouTube mm. brings. And it's a situation where, given that YouTube exists, it's incredibly difficult to build up any sort of competitor. I mean, Vimeo is, is, is kind of like making a go of it. But by and large, given that YouTube has already built up the infrastructure and is willing to shoulder you know, tons and tons of losses. I mean, at this point, no one knows for sure how much YouTube makes. I think the last report was a couple of years ago. Wall Street Journal mentioned it was still losing money. And that's despite the fact that if you look at Google's financials, you can clearly – See, if you look between the lines, Google doesn't report in this either. It's all it's all it's all opaque. That YouTube is definitely driving a ton of revenue, but it's also very very expensive. And and you know the other thing with video, video the sort of no marginal cost starts to really kind of break up with video because the bandwidth yeah. cost is so substantial. So it's it's a little bit of a different market. In our, it's arguably an even more defensible market though for that reason because you almost have an aspect of the sort of natural monopoly bits that we talked about last week where they've already done the investment, they already have all the infrastructure in place, and to build up a challenger is just incredibly, incredibly difficult. And and in that case, it's even more problematic that they're willing to use access to it as a lever. And you talked about it a little bit from a supply perspective, and you're right, Vimeo is making a go of it. If you were a supplier for whatever reason that couldn't get on YouTube, I mean, that would suck because there's a huge audience there. But if people still wanted to find you or you wanted to host it somewhere, you could. But from a demand perspective, from a consumer perspective, the amount of content that's there, if you're interested in watching that type of free, widely available content, if your device doesn't support that, uh, I mean, you're you're behind the eight ball. And one of the reflections that I had on the conversation from last week was that we talked about how the, the wired and the wireless infrastructure is somewhat different and has played out differently from a competition standpoint and how the regulation or the approach you take to thinking about it is somewhat different as a result. And it's almost getting that way further up the stack too. When you start to have a video service where if your device doesn't support the video service effectively, your device is, is is of questionable value, it starts to almost get like infrastructure. It's almost like an expectation that people have that it will support something like YouTube. And if it doesn't, this is, I mean, this is harking back to the debate we had last week, right? Right. That's that's exactly my point. And, and that's why I kind of mentioned in passing that, you know, if we're thinking about neutrality, like we, this, this, this thinking needs to be 
more expansive. I mean, there was a connection between what I wrote about this week and, and, and the issues we discussed previously. If you have a situation where something like YouTube is almost becoming like infrastructure, where there's not really competition, it has such a dominant place about what people say, what people can do, and, and it enables so much. And also, there's so much power vested in cutting people off, right? If, if you're starting to make, you know, we've seen this conversation happening around Facebook and, tw- and Twitter. Also, are we making decisions? What's the, what's the basis of decision making? If you get to decide who's on or off your platform in a vacuum, that's a very easy question, right? They're a private company. They can do what they want. They, they get it. They get to decide. But it starts to get a lot more complicated and societally important when they become infrastructure sort of services that to be cut off is to be to be basically silenced. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned earlier on in the podcast about how we've argued both sides of um, the debate. And what for whatever reason, what you just said then is waking up James from a year ago. And it's like, this is a... It's it's a real problem because the nature of the web is starting to change. Where it when it's when it's open web, the the infrastructure is the point at which is is the primary choke point. But when it's closed web, it's not just infrastructure; it's also these services on top because these services are effectively dict like they are determining what people see, the algorithms and what, who they allow on the platform and who they don't allow on the platform. And it becomes a an, another opportunity where you could start to see us moving towards a world where, yeah, that what gets shown to people is being how that's being determined starts to get really shaky in the same in the same way people object to net neutrality and the idea that economic incentives are going to determine what comes down the pipe and whether things are prioritized and potentially deprioritized that exact same dynamic could potentially happen on top of these platforms and the incentives, as you can see, between it, it might not be around who's paying the most, which would be a typical market, uh, a, a market way of solving it. It could be long-term things like what we're seeing with Amazon on Google or all kinds of other things that, that could be the basis of the decision, potentially even removing economic incentives, as we've talked about in the instances of Facebook, potentially. Or you, you have you have situations where there is so much sort of political pressure and social pressure around various things that the decisions are made for political and social reasons. Yeah. And, and that's where it starts to get really, really problematic and is why, you know, I've – generally been a pretty strong advocate of taking a sort a sort of here's the word neutral approach to this sort of stuff like are i think these companies are playing with fire to the extent they they start getting into making sort of any sort of political mm. determination that affects what they serve and don't serve but on the flip side and this is kind of the, the, what i wrote about this week there's also this truly horrific awful stuff that is that the the seamlessness of these platforms and the fact that they are there is no cost associated with it you can just upload a video it can be served all kinds of people that that uh, that clearly is also a problem and how do you how do you balance these two these two issues uh it's it's really friggin' hard because i think the worst way of balancing it is waiting until the mob comes out and then letting the mob decide and because these companies are not immune to large amounts of public or political or social pressure like you just described and i think the worst way of doing it is waiting the mob comes out and people are pressured into taking things down that 
that lots of people find objectionable for whatever reason or another and not giving this long considered thought. Beyond that, it, it starts to become challenging. And I almost feel like the, the way that it should be decided is, uh, is obeying the law. Like that is the clear bright line around this, which is like these companies uh, have a responsibility to follow the law and there, there have been rules that have been put in place around what's acceptable and what's not. And that's after that, it starts to get extremely, you start down the slippery slope, like what's objectionable, what's not. It, it starts to get pretty hairy pretty quickly. So let's, let's put some, let's get some more sort of concrete examples out here and, and, and walk through this sort of issue. So I talked about four, four episodes, four, four things uh, in this article. So number one, and this was almost a, a more trivial one, which was useful because it was almost easier to talk about a sort of inflammatory topic if it's something that is, is not sort of inflammatory, if that makes sense. So number one was Apple had this terrible, Mac OS bug that had actually been reported on, on their developer forums and, it was it was very interesting to see people kind of give them a pass for it being on the forums and not catching it. I mean, because why? <laughs> Policing forums is hard, right? User-generated content is, is is hard to manage all the pieces of. And I just thought it was striking to see a lot of like super hardcore like Facebook critics, for example, be like, oh, yeah, I mean, how uh, those forums are junk. How's Apple going to see something on there? And meanwhile, they're trying like, how can Facebook not find every single bad thing on their platform and police yeah. it? And Facebook is dealing uh, the order of – the, the the scale that it's Facebook is doing at orders. it's multiple orders larger than Apple Developer Forums, right? It's not yeah, even yeah. the same stratosphere. <laughs> and it, I just thought it, w- it was so fascinating to see people giving Apple pass. Which, by the way, I agree with the pass. Generate like monitoring this stuff in a sort of in this sort of fine tooth way where you would mm. catch a someone basically reporting a terrible bug and that person who wrote it on the forums didn't realize it was a bug they were trying to help someone else and be like oh if you're locked out of your account just type root and press enter two times <laughs> <laughs> like i mean you could understand why why no one saw it and i i i have that understanding and i i have other issues with apple and their quality <laughs> control but that actually is not one of them and i also i would like to think i'm consistent extend that to facebook and youtube and these other companies and appreciating the challenge they have is just unbelievably overwhelming. And if you don't start your sort of critique and analysis of these companies and the challenges that come with user-generated content without really deeply understanding the challenges involved, your critique is just not going to be very helpful or useful. I mean, 400 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute. Every <laughs> minute. How do you... I don't. It's like... It's, you can't it's, even wrap your that, mind around it. Like, like we're no, saying the words, and, and we're not even we're not no, even beginning to comprehend it. I, I, I agree. It's it's just impossible. How about to, two billion imp- people on Facebook, of which like one point five billion are on there every day? Like, how much how much content and interaction and metadata is being generated? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's unfathomable. I mean, when you start to use numbers like this, it is pretty impressive technically what these companies are able to do. I know how 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 much we take it for granted, but the engineering on the back end to be able to support this. And to make the experience so seamless, it is when you say when you say it like this, it's just insane that it works as well as it does. So what? So you have this context of these these platforms have these incredible logistical challenges, and then there was kind of three stories that that kind of happened this week that that, that to me really capture what needs to be done in some respects and also the challenges in sort of accomplishing that. And one was Twitter; they had this issue where President Trump retweeted this just this hate account. You know, and they're like, well, why, why didn't you take it down? And they're like, oh, because we want to show both sides of the issue. And then if he was like, actually, no, that's not why. It's because it, viol- it, it was 
consistent with our rules for legitimate public interest or or no is media and that, I have no idea what what the justification was and it it really drives at the impossibility of yeah. like there's this there's this desire if we just get the rules right everything will be okay and it's <laughs> such a <laughs> did you, are you okay it sounded like yeah, you no, it sounded like you I just had a heart attack that. No, no, no! I'm not having. It was a, a croak. That's what I was talking. You just croaked. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, a, yeah, just get the rules okay, and then it's all going to be. There's, there's no rules. Like this is so deep in judgment territory. And then you start. You have the president of the United States, and then there are all the people that are just like, well, let's just take away all the things he says, or, or take away his ability to say them, and that will solve the problem, which is equally as, is inane. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's an issue where we're we're so far down the tree dealing with symptoms that we're like we're we're so far away from the yeah, from the root cause. Exactly. Anyhow, so the second one was Facebook, where there was you know there was that 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 Me Too movement, and there was the um you know the the time people of people of the year, I guess you say, not person of the year, was the Silence Breakers, and a really great article. Uh, and I actually wrote about I wrote, I usually don't do a tech person of the year, but I felt compelled to write about Susan Fowler and and, and Uber just mm-hmm. because I mean. One That's of the most started. Im- yeah, I mean, and just incredibly impactful, and so many things about it, like being a blog post on a personal blog, like really getting into the power of the internet and the power of social media in a, in a in a capacity for inspiring positive change. I mean, just just really in an, an incredible story. And yeah, we're off pace, but in the context of this sort of Me Too movement, which I'm sure everyone saw on Facebook, and it was you know very very powerful about all these all these women attesting that they've experienced sexual harassment uh there was a sort of like the thing put together with a group of female comedians where they were going to all say I, I don't know how to frame it like it, it's they were going to say comments about men that uh, all men like for examples were i'm just reading examples uh men ancient all men are ugly all men are allegedly ugly th- men are scum some variations of that where they were going to post and Facebook went and banned all their accounts or gave them a, a week long suspensions. And Facebook's response was we have, it's our policy that saying generalized comments about protected groups is not allowed. Gender is a protected group. And so these comments are not allowed. And there's an example. They had a rule, the rule that we all want. They applied that rule. And guess what? The, it was actually the, the folks that were articulating their, their sense of, being taken advantage of, being harassed, the victims that were actually the ones that were punished by this policy. And this isn't a surprise. You can see this again and again where rules put in place, they – guess what? That's the nature of sort of the structure of society. If you're protesting the structure of society, then to put rules in place to enforce your point of view, the the nature of it is often going to rebound in the opposite direction. Yeah. And again, it's – oftentimes – I mean in this instance, it's – it's apparent, and but I guess one of the things how we've we've talked about is like so often the uh, the impact of these types of rules, uh, the the way they manifest, you can't you can't see the impact. It's the things, the silent screams of the businesses that didn't get started, it's the unintended consequences. People, yeah, right. Or the or the or the things that didn't get written, or whatever it might be. And it's it's it's. It's a great example of how, yeah, it's this is this is rebounding in a way that was not expected. It's it it's a rule designed to protect these people, and now it's coming back and and getting them instead. Right, exactly. And this isn't to make a judgment about the this the case in question, but it's it's such a useful you know thing to step back and consider. And these two situations, Twitter and Facebook, next to each other, are interesting because on one hand, Facebook's rules were actually much more clear cut than Twitter's. 
and they applied the rule. And it was like, no, dude, dude, don't apply the rule that way. Twitter, meanwhile, has just who knows what their rules are. It's really not clear. It's super subjective. They're like changing it uh, by the hour. And everyone's like, no, you need to have hard rules. And and it actually, if people want Facebook to be more subjective and they want Twitter to be more objective without appreciating that they're each giving the example of the problems with both approaches. I mean, the contrast of both approaches in that way is pretty fantastic. I I, I don't know if people are objecting to Twitter. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I think I would prefer Twitter to just come clean and saying we're just making a judgment call and it's our platform and live with it. Uh, and I, I I almost feel like if Facebook had had applied judgment as opposed to these hard and fast rules, they would have let that the the, the Me Too comments go through. But that could set the tension, right? Like, yeah, who, totally. Who is making the judgment call? And yeah, and what know, areas no, are they making yeah. the judgment call on? And this is why I thought the YouTube example was actually something useful to talk about as as a third one. And in this case, mm. there were child exploitative videos on the platform and child abuse videos on the platform. Clearly, clearly unacceptable and wrong and there were a lot of them and and buzzfeed uncovered them with the help of of a of, of a researcher act activist uh I, I don't have his name in front of me and and they wrote a big article about that and youtube in response to the article took them all down and then they unveiled this week these new sort of policies around around this stuff and to me it was useful to start with the youtube one because there's no dispute about – there's kind of a multi-level thing here. One is what content do you police and two is how do you police it? And mm. and you, on the Apple side, you have a – it's not really controversial. So you can kind of point out that this is a really hard problem, right? Whereas you say, oh, you know, child abuse is a really hard problem. Like I don't care how hard the problem is. Stop <laughs> it, right? Which is a correct and appropriate response. So the, the, the Apple one is kind of on the one extreme and then you have the YouTube one on the other extreme where clearly this is wrong and they need to do better. And how can they do better? Better. And then you have the Facebook and Twitter ones kind of in the middle that get at, well, okay, if you figure out a method to do better, when should you apply it? So it's like a two-part problem. You know, how do you deal with the, with the content and when do you use those methods? Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty reasonable way of approaching it. So most of this was spent on on the YouTube problem. And something that, that really, uh, really, it's kind of one of those light bulb moments that went up my head is it's always been the case that and I you know I've written this consistently and and in all my writing that you have to start with internet assumptions right all these businesses have to start with internet assumptions they have to start with the assumption of like content can be distributed freely and if you start with old world assumptions where you know you were limited by mm. printing presses and and whatever it might be or shelves on a grocery store like you're the the very core decisions you make, if you have bad assumptions, everything else about your business is going to fall apart. Like, and so to understand how to compete and how to build a business today, you have to start with internet assumptions. You have to start with the way the world works is going to work in the future or else you're doomed. It's kind of funny that these companies really are so good at doing this in so many other respects. But they've allowed the content that like the moderation of content to kind of lag behind in the old world. And I don't know if that's just uh, been a little bit by design, like kicking the can down the road, or it's been out of laziness, like this isn't core to our business. So therefore, we're just going to get away with it. But it's, it's I, like so much of the rest of what they do is not like that at all. Well, I don't know that that's totally fair. I mean, these these companies do employ thousands of people. I mean, not all of them directly. There's, you know, we, I think we've referenced before, like the, there is an, a really great article a few years ago. We'll, we'll find the link, put the show notes about that sort of operation in the Philippines that, that uh -huh. does like all this. Review. Facebook. Yeah. 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 And, but it does it for all these services. So there's some aspects, some of it is, is on staff, some of it's off staff where they employ like 
tens of thousands of people to to be reviewing this content. And well, how do they know what content to review? And they've made significant investments, particularly in the last few years, and that timing is important. We'll come back to it in a moment. Particularly in the last few years on machine learning uh, and, mm. and AI sort of things to sort of identify yeah. this stuff, which is, and so that is using, like that's leveraging the technology of the future to do this. And the other big thing is just, is users fighting it. Like people saying this is a problematic and that's often what triggers the sort of human review. Someone has flagged this, it's it's an issue and then someone will look at it and then, and then, and then you know put it up or down or whatever whatever it might be and so it's not i don't think it's fair to say that they're just using sort of old world approaches they are using new world approaches and and the flagging one is actually a great example because what what is th- if there's a ton of supply like all those videos on youtube what is there even more of there's even more people consuming that supply right that's the whole point of sort of aggregation theories that demand is sort of just this massive amount of demand if you can control demand and you can aggregate demand, you'll dominate the market. And if you control demand, you, you, there, there's all these things you can do. And these platforms do use demand. P- all those people using the platforms are basically moderators in theory. In theory. And I mean, I, I think that would be my my point, though. I mean, that researcher that you referred to that went to BuzzFeed, they went to YouTube. F- he went to YouTube first, if I'm not mistaken, and nothing happened. And it wasn't until there was a whole bunch of press that came out that actually they they went down the rabbit hole and like, oh, this is a real problem. We need to solve it. And I, I suspect that if someone had flagged a troublesome video or uh, he'd explained a process by which this could have they could have gotten to the bottom of this and they weren't immediately responsive to it, it would kind of I, I don't know I, I certainly hear what you're saying and the AI thing makes a ton of sense like this is a this is a scalable way of solving the problem and it probably only really became effective recently so I do hear you but at the same time I still retain a little bit of skepticism that they haven't put as much energy and uh, attention onto this as they possibly could have. Well, that, I mean, that's exactly right. That was, I mean, that was my point. A quick side point: a lot of people made fun of me for saying that media scrutiny and attention is a useful deterrent. But I, I think we see that again and again. I mean, this is this is a great example here where making a stink in the media. And by the way, this is a good thing about the current internet environment and, and social media is that you can raise a stink. Like they're in same thing with the Apple bug. The Apple bug was was ultimately fixed and fixed very quickly because people did email Apple and, and no one re- responded. But once it was on Twitter, bam, it was fixed within 12 hours, right? Once this yeah. BuzzFeed article went up, it was fixed immediately. Again, I'm not saying this is a panacea. I'm not saying it fixes everything. Yeah. I'm just acknowledging there is tremendous power that going back to internet sort of assumptions that comes from publications being widely available. That comes from the amplification power of social media. And to mock it and pretend it doesn't exist, I think isn't is isn't right. It's it's far more powerful and you you talked about the the harm and the potential danger mm-hmm. in mob rule, but yeah, it's sort yeah, of like there's pluses and minuses, yep. right? Like the fact that totally. you can raise and a stink is a very powerful sort of tool. Yeah, no, totally. I just, I, it, it just sometimes feels like we're getting to the point that people now are only getting to the point where they only respond to stinks. Yep. That is not to deny the fact that exactly of what you just said, that when, when immediately apparent bad things start happening and people don't respond, you can create a stink and it can fix it. It's just a shame that that seems to be more and more the case that the only tool in the toolbox to fix some of these things is that absolutely no i i 
completely agree. I'm not saying that should be like yeah, the I, tool. It just didn't to be clear. come across like that. Well, yeah, I no, mean, well, you, you should see my inbox. Just to make sure. <laughs> so people raising a stink in your inbox. Yeah, let's let's move on. So, so one thing that struck me though, and this gets so they are using the sort of internet assumptions in harnessing demand to police, which is you know like these like people can flag stuff. I think the flagging mm-hmm. stuff is buried on all these sites and a little too hard to find but it does exist and quite clearly a lot of stuff goes through that channel it's also can be subject to abuse as we've seen where people flagging people they disagree with and getting stuff mm. eliminated or suspended mm-hmm. uh and, and abusing it so it's 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 problematic it's not perfect but it's it's out there the the, the challenge though is is kind of an obvious one the people who let's take these youtube videos these child exploitation videos the people who are outraged by those videos will by design, not see the videos because what's the point of these sort of aggregation services? It's to give you what you want and it's to pr- create positive feedback loops where you get one thing you like and they'll give you nothing that you want. And they have, they use data and they use all these algorithms and, and you search like who's going on YouTube and searching for these videos. The people who would object to them are not and they're not going to see them in the recommendation algorithm. The people who will see them are only those who want to see them and they're not the ones that are going to report the problem. It is, uh, it is. Obvious when you say it like that, but until you actually articulate it, it could be quite easy to see how if you relied uh, in part, uh, which all these companies do, on these moderation features for the reason you just stated why they aren't necessarily going to work as well as you might think. It it might result in there being less reports. Like the number of reports that they end up getting suggests there's less of a problem than there really is just because like the moderation relies on people seeing things objectionable, but the whole, the, the, the way that those algorithms and given the excess of content and one of the core parts of the service is to surface the things, the few things that you will enjoy out of the 400 hours that are uploaded every minute. Like it's easy to see how in this circumstance, the moderation wouldn't work, but it's only easy to see it when you say it like that. Cause I wouldn't, that would, I mean, again, although it sounds obvious, that would never have occurred to me until you put that exact like in terms of the context of this problem it wouldn't have occurred to me what's interesting though is you can flip this on its head the reason why the activist's name is matan uziel and i apologize if i pronounced that incorrectly but the reason why he and buzzfeed could find these videos so easily is for the exact same reason right right mm-hmm. youtube's really good at search you know they're, they're owned by this company called google which is uh you may have heard is also good, is, is very good at search and they have these fantastic recommendation algorithms that understands what you're watching and gives you similar things to watch. And it turns out you can actually use those tools. A normal person is never going to encounter these videos. But if you look for these videos, you will actually find a whole host of them such that you can write an article that is rightly outrages people and rightly inspires you know, this sort of demand for a response and forces these big companies to jump. And, and you know, it's like, What's the issue here? YouTube always talks about 400, 400 hours a minute, 400 hours a minute. It's really hard. It's really hard. Well, if you're taking a supply side, that's a supply uh-huh. side argument. It's saying the supply is so big, how can we police it all? But the entire point of these companies is that they're demand driven. So if you start with demand, actually you can find a whole lot of objectionable content a lot easier than anyone ever really realized. And, and the, the question is, is how many people at YouTube were sitting there saying people are going to look for child exploitive videos? 
instead of thinking, well, how do we go through all this this massive amount of videos and see if there's any problematic yeah. ones? It's it's a very subtle shift in mindset. But to me, it's it's something that you just think about tech broadly. You know, one of the great things about tech is this inherent sort of optimism, and that we're changing the world, and and mm. things are going to be better. And it's so necessary for Silicon Valley to work the way it has in the last last forty years for good and bad. But but this mm. presumption, that, you know, I'm gonna, I think we can do it, and yeah, most time you're gonna fail, but it's gonna work next time, and and we're doing good work, and and we're doing all this sort of stuff, and we're working till till the middle of the night, and and not sleeping. And, and fixing bugs. Why? Because we're changing the world. And th- there's so much, there's such a blind spot embedded in that view. And there's no better example than child exploitative videos being readily findable on YouTube and no one finding them. This point, I think, can be more broadly applied to Silicon Valley. I mean, it's it's such a good point. Beyond the, the searching, this is, it's almost like Silicon Valley has been uh, blinded to the potential for nefarious uses of the technology more and more often recently. I mean, reactions numerous times that, I mean, the immediate one that comes to my mind, and it's probably the one that that sometimes frustrates me the most based on the research I've seen, is how Facebook impacts its users. But you see Zuckerberg, every time one of these issues comes up, they are, uh, it is He's slow to acknowledge that there's an issue and to respond. And it's almost, you have to, he had to be dragging, kicking and screaming. And on one hand, it's like a source of frustration. But on another hand, this is a, this is a really good frame for understanding why that might be. There is an inherent techno optimism that, that is, how could this possibly use, be used for bad? We're just doing this for good. We're doing it to bring people together, for example. And it, it blinds people to the nefarious uses and it, it makes it more possible for nefarious use cases to emerge. Well, there's, and I think there's another way to sort of frame the point that, 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 that I'm making here. We've talked about, you know, there's tech has always been thought of as its own industry, right? There's the CPG industry and there's the banking industry mm. and there's the manufacturing industry and there's the tech industry. And a point that we've made again and again is that's an increasingly <laughs> outdated dumb way to look at it because i mean think about the companies we talk about right like uber right uber is is that a tech company is airbnb a a tech company they are leveraging technology to to be in the hospitality industry or the transportation industry or or, you know is you is youtube or netflix are they tech companies are they entertainment companies like these to say that tech is its own distinct industry is pointless and i've talked about this as a you know a, a driving, you know, something that I've thought a lot about in the context of techery. By virtue of writing about "quote unquote" tech, I actually there's a license to write about almost everything because everything mm-hmm. is is impacted by tech. But the, the it, I almost feel like if you take this all the way to its logical conclusion, though, it's another way of of stating the same mistake that's being made here, and that is. These aren't tech problems. The, the, the problem is these are human problems. All of humanity is uploading video to YouTube. All of humanity is consuming video on YouTube. All of humanity is uploading content to Facebook. All of humanity is consuming content on Facebook and on Twitter and all these, maybe not Twitter, but uh, we won't get into their growth issues, but like on all these sort of, all these, all these platforms. And it follows from that that we are getting all parts of humanity. We're getting the, the, the beautiful parts, yeah. the great parts, the hidden parts. And we've talked about one of the amazing things about the internet is all these stories and 
people who who's, who are being told. I mentioned in the context of like you know Susan Fowler can write a, a, a post on her personal blog and it can shake the entire industry, and mm. in, in, in shake shake the entire world, and that's that's incredible. But we're also getting all the bad parts of humanity, and, and we know there are people who abuse children. And it's it's awful and it's it's heartbreaking, but you can't pretend it doesn't exist. And it follows that if YouTube is everything when it comes to uploaded video, there is without question going to be child abuse videos because it that is unfortunately the nature of humanity. And if once you appreciate that we are not just an app, we are not just an app, and we can play our little games with Amazon about who's going to be on whatever. When you realize we are video. We are – and it's this mass thing. It's not just about a regulatory infrastructure thing. It's about you're dealing with the very fundamental nature of, of humanity, and humans mm. are not just all good. And if you don't embrace and appreciate that, you have this massive blind spot that we keep talking about, and this stuff just balloons, and you don't even realize, and these stories come along, justifiably so. And, and it's like, what, how can you allow this? I mean, I, it's almost like this is an instance where the underlying, the underlying nature of an industry has changed, but the assumptions haven't caught up. It used to be tech competed with tech, and it was much more uh, the case that the 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 particularly the people who came to work here, but the amount of money involved and the way it was competing was it, it was this old world. We're changing the world. We're our own industry. It's different. I mean, you, you, you I, the, the thing, the, the one that I come back to was when Jobs was trying to convince John Scully to come to, to come and be CEO of Apple. He was like, do you want to, do you want to keep selling sugar water or do you want to come change the world? And there was this implicit assumption that everything here was like that the way the world was going to be changed was positive. It was going to have a positive impact. And the kinds of people who came here were the ones that wanted to have positive impact. And slowly as tech's impact has grown into different industries and the amount of money that has come in here and the types of people that it now attracts to come here because of the impact being so big, like the assumption around, well, yeah, it's still changing the world, but always inherent in that inside of Silicon Valley was that the, the change was positive. And it's, it's almost like the, the potential for that has dramatically changed. It's not necessarily positive. There, there are many negative aspects as well. And I feel like that's part of the reason why tech's so much on the nose right now, why, why people are getting frustrated with many of the big tech companies, why it's increasingly coming under political pressure. But the fun, the, the underlying assumption that, oh, we're, we're always here and the only things we do are good things. And the only people who come here are, uh, are good people who are, you know, idealistically motivated. That started to change, but I'm not sure the assumption inside of the industry has caught up. Well, and frankly, it's a problem with the criticism too. There's an aspect of these companies should fix it. But mm. but you're actually saying that these companies should fix human nature, and and, yeah. and again, not saying that there isn't culpability here. I think that YouTube in particular, like these things, are clearly wrong. They're clearly illegal. There's not mm. any sort of like question about something whether they should do a better job doing this. They should, and I think they should start out by you know having a much more. I mean, I, I know that they 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 claim to have proactive sort of searching, but are there people that are actually Focus on understanding like child sex abuse and and weeding the searches for these things. I don't I don't know. I hope so, and I hope there will be in the future because to adopt this sort of reactive stance is clearly not been sufficient to date. But at the same time, 
you know, this gets back to sort of the political points. Like if you're dealing with humanity as a whole, equally problematic is you're going to sit there as judge and jury, right? We've decided, at least in the United States, that we are going to decide this democratically. And and yes, there's no one – I think my, my concern about government intervention credentials are very well burnished at this point, to say the least, mm-hmm. right? But at the, same, at, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, the point of government – I made this point previously – the point of government is not to be efficient, is not to – do like fast and easy decision making. It, the point is to be inefficient to ensure because we're making decisions collectively about what is acceptable and what isn't, and we choose that method because it's the it's the least harm method. It's not the best method, but it makes it a whole lot harder for things to go totally off the deep end, as opposed to a massive centralized power where one person just decides everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you're dealing with these companies, if you're dealing with humanity. And and making these fundamental decisions, I'm a little nervous about, on one hand, they need to do better. On the other hand, we have to draw, I think, and it's funny, we criticized rules, rules before, but there's some aspect we do need to start thinking much more clearly about where this line is because this power is tremendous. It, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's tr- there's there's no doubt about the the, the centralization of power and uh, is is unheralded like the amount of power that's that's being created as a result of these platforms and the aggregation that's happening is absolutely unheralded and it's it's being compounded by the fact that the rate of change is happening so quickly and if you have institutions set up to uh, to do things slowly, and that is often a really good way of doing things. But when the change is happening really, really fast and is only going to continue to get faster, there is something a little bit out of whack about that, particularly. And it's, it's also compounded further by the fact that the people who are making the rules, who are deciding, don't really understand what's going on. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not a great combination. Well, I mean, you have this situation where, to your point, there's sort of techno-optimistic attitude is so foundational to these companies. Again, and there's lots of good outcomes that come from that. The sort of ambition to even start a YouTube in the first place mm. is rooted in the this fundamentally sort of optimistic view. Yeah, let everybody have access to video. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic, like the, the starting point is phenomenal, right? Well, not just that, but the, the very like irrationality that we can actually pull this off, you know, that we can actually <laughs> build, build, build this, sort, this sort of company. And, you know, there's a mixing sort of innate optimism with total power is that's actually the route to massive abuses of that power. Because you have the power and you have the vision, and why don't these people just go along with it? Let's let's like you know let's make them go along. You could just see this very problematic path unfurling through it. The optimistic viewpoint is is positive, but except when it goes too far, then it becomes sort of the driver of some of the worst sort of behavior we've we've ever seen. Well, it's almost like a kind of naivety. It's like these, it's effectively you've created these child kings, which is exactly what you, you, you talked about wanting to avoid, like centralizing power in the hands of a few people. And they're making all these decisions and they don't have this breadth of experience. Everybody here, I mean, increasingly the folks who are inside of Silicon Valley look the same. They've, I mean, this has been an ongoing thing about the lack of diversity, the lack of diverse viewpoints. And, and these mistakes are happening all over the place in similar fashions. Yeah. We're almost struggling a bit here to say like what, what should be what should be done and and i think that's 
I think that's okay that we're struggling with it because it's in it's an incredibly difficult problem. It's it's from a broad sort of philosophical perspective, it's the most difficult problem that tech has faced, but it's it's the most critical it's the most important problem. And I don't feel bad uh, about not having all the answers. I don't feel bad about us not knowing how to sort of put a bow on this podcast as we so often uh. like to. What I what I hope and what I hope those listening and those who who read this article are just because we're dealing with fundamental assumptions here, and there's an aspect where if we're dealing at, at like higher up on the stack, like we have, we can have a, a discussion about about theory and facts and all these sorts of things. But when you're at the fundamental assumption level, I'm not going to change any of your minds. Uh, I, I'm not going to change your mind or or my mind or anyone through telling you to change a fundamental assumption. The the best I can do and the best we can do in this sort of conversation is to actually highlight that there are assumptions. That lots of folks may not even appreciate. Like, well, and you've mentioned it before. If you talk about like, oh, moderation, people will see these all these videos, and you think about, well, who's actually going to see the videos if you add, mm. layer on the algorithms? Like, oh, duh, of course, only the people who want to see the videos are going to see the videos, and they're not going to report it. Like, it becomes mm. very obvious. And I, what I hope is becoming increasingly obvious is the importance of these of one how layered tech is into society that's not just a tech industry anymore Two, that we're dealing with the fundamental nature of humanity and that has to bring in a certain amount of the optimism is is not right like if you mm. it's like a risk reward thing like if you're investing in stocks or something right like the risk and reward should match if you if you pursue too much reward and you don't properly evaluate risk you you run the the the, the chance of going bankrupt right on the flip side if you have critics that are like, oh, the internet's bad, everything's terrible, blah, 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 burn it all down, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The problem there is you you are too focused on risk that you miss out on reward because you didn't invest properly because you were too worried about the, about the downsides. And both sides have to come together, and there has to be this sort of middle way where, one, we acknowledge all the problems and risks and take them far more seriously. But two, on the flip side, we also appreciate that this changing of assumptions, this underlying shifts applies not just to the tech industry but all these other industries and all, all, everything else. And all this stuff, as I've talked about and we, we've podcasted about, is going to fall down, and we need to move forward. We need to move forward broadly. If, if everything has stopped, if, if innovation is done – if the future is what it is today, then we're all in really, really big trouble. And so we need to push forward. And there has to, so it's this balance that I was trying. And that's why we don't have a way to tie this up because there isn't a clear answer beyond it depends. And we kind of need to figure out how to straddle both sides of a barbed wire fence. Yeah, to go back to the old metaphor, it's, I mean, it's just this, I don't know, I, I guess part of the reason I'm a little disillusioned with it is that it feels increasingly like one of the things we talked about uh, today has been that it's it's the mobs fighting against each other to try and have this debate as opposed to it being reasoned and thoughtful and people stepping back and okay like these are the these are the two sides of it like how do we think about striking a balance given so much is changing given the fact assumptions are dying or changing underneath us as as we're talking about this stuff and yet what it ends up is like tech is good yelling at no tech is terrible without having a you know the the reason debate, and it ends up waiting until something like this blows up before we try and fix one more symptom, as opposed to getting at the root of it. That's exactly right, and, and I mean, the, 
that's what I, was, I, I mean. It's summer stuff I was trying to get out last week, and it's just a terrible topic to to do it with. But like, we, yeah. we have to. If you're if your position, and this is is absolutely that your side's right and the other side is absolutely wrong, yeah. then your position's probably wrong. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what your position is about about anything. The world is is complicated and context matters for all sorts of things and this is a perfect example like I, I it's like oh facebook and twitter should do more should do more and then they do more like no don't do that don't do 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 yeah. differently right you know, they, you know you, youtube should should police this police that and then they police something you don't want to wait, 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 don't do that do a better job here and and on the tech company side, it's like, well, what, you know, we have so much stuff. What can we do? We have so much stuff. We, meanwhile, their entire business model is predicated on on giving customers what they want. And, and if they actually thought about what people actually want, some of which is not, some of which is very bad stuff, then they would have a much better view of doing this. And this kind of willful blindness on on both sides. Not good. Not good. And uh, sorry, it's, that's a unsatisfying unsatisfying summary, but. Um, uh, again <laughs> but it's probably pretty fair i hope I, I i hope i hope i made you think again gosh it's worrying when we're having to like wrap up episodes two in a row where it's like the best we can hope for is we hope we made you think yeah we muddled through <laughs> yeah it's funny I, i've been do. thinking about like, i usually write my the state of technology at the end of 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 year like i've done that every year uh-huh. um and it's gonna be dark this year i mean it like it, it's been a it's. I mean, for for Shecker, from like a business perspective, it's been a great year. But I feel like for me, like writing, it's been just an utterly depressing year. I mean, talking about antitrust all the time and and regulation and like <laughs> that's not fun. You know, it, it's it's you know, like the Google YouTube thing or the YouTube Amazon thing would be so much more fun to just like let's talk about like the strategic implications and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But like, but right. you increasingly can't divorce that from these societal problems with what's going on here and how can you not write about that yeah i mean they've gone from they've gone from local level skirmishes again when tech was on tech it was just fascinating seeing how the pieces play out to like these these uh these companies are now moving chess pieces all around the world and like there are going to be implications and ramifications all over the place and it's no longer just about business models it's like how society is going to react and the impact on society as as these battles take place and i mean it's fascinating viewing but it's uh it's it's not always the most uplifting. Indeed, it's not. So anyhow, uh, I I did get an iMac, and and people will be happy to know I got the larger hard drive. So I had to buy the higher end one, but I did buy memory separately. <laughs> so it's it's the first time I had a desktop in like twenty years. It's kind of nice. Like it's just always there. Like I don't have to like set up uh-huh. and like plug in and and re- like I leave my windows in a certain spot and they're there when I come back to it. <laughs> so we'll see. It, it, it's definitely new. It's definitely new, but it's it's been interesting. But anyhow. The, 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 honeymoon period yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it goes it's funny i got it i had it for like a week it took me a week to actually get it set up which is how these things go like you replacing computers sucks yeah anyhow that that was a very abrupt digression to a completely different topic but uh <laughs> i might talk to you next week we will see yeah yep sounds good otherwise our thanks to wordpress.com for sponsoring exponent it's again go to wordpress.com slash exponent to get a 15 percent discount on on your order and i will perhaps talk to you next week and if not the week after okay sounds good see you mate bye bye